Willis Welcome to the Fade Route. With DNZ. Here are your hosts. DNZ. show for you. Politics intersects with sports. Derek Jeter says goodbye to Miami and we order up the five greatest men's college basketball players of all time but we start in the world of pro football (laughs) with Aaron Rodgers naturally. Aaron Rodgers once again holding up the Green Bay Packers and in this case it's in the same vein as Giancarlo Stanton once held up the Marlins. Apparently, the Packers have been given the list of teams that Rodgers is willing to play for. That includes the Denver Broncos, of course, the Pittsburgh Steelers, somewhat surprising, and the Tennessee Titans, who, you know, they were linked Rodgers once Rodgers bought a home in Nashville but they were so quick to say Ryan Tannehill is our guy and that's you know that's never the recipe for success you know that's Bubba Crosby when Johnny Damon becomes a free agent Bubba Crosby's our center field oh Johnny Damon's available see you Bubba <laughs> now apparently Brian Gutekunst the GM of the Packers has deals on the table and he's waiting for Mr. Rogers to make his decision. And Mr. Rogers is going to take his time on that decision. He's going to let the Packers twist in the wind a little bit. He's going to, you know, in, engender some goodwill with the fans, possibly, before sticking the knife in them and going to greener pastures. And who's to say that it's necessarily greener pastures? Because... There's been a a string of success, ultimately not in the playoffs, but he has definitely been in the mix for the better part of a decade. So who's to say that Mr. Rogers isn't taking a step back here? Only time will tell. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on carousel shoes, flight crew through and through, the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? The situation is just unreal. I mean, he is holding them hostage. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. How did we get here? Like, how did, like, how did we get here? You, the Packers draft Jordan Love, the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers uh, unsuccessfully get does does not get the Packers to the Aaron Rodgers not get the Packers to the Super Bowl for two straight seasons and all of a sudden we care about where Rodgers wants to get traded and we're waiting on him to decide where he wants to play which trade works best for him Uh, I mean if first of all let's look at all sides of this if you're the Packers and this information has got out you almost have to trade him at this point you could not bring him back with the understanding that he's making a decision on if he's going to come back or if he's going to get traded. 
if you're Aaron Rodgers' agent, you have to call them and say, guys, you've got to trade him now. Like, we cannot come back into this and, you know, decide where he wants to go or where you want him to go. And also, if you're Jordan Love, if I'm Jordan Love's agent, I'm like, trade him today. Not three weeks from now, not two weeks from now. We're out. We're out. Trade us for a sixth rounder, a fifth rounder. Cut us. I don't care. We're not playing for the Green Bay Packers ever again. It's a complete clusterfuck. Management and the player have both created an untenable situation. And collateral damage in this, possibly, is Devontae Adams. Because Devontae Adams has pretty much, like, become a package deal with Rodgers. He's as much said, he's said as much, you know, that I'm going to go where 12 goes, or I'm going to stay in Green Bay if 12 stays in Green Bay. So this becomes a situation where the Packers are gutting their team. But to your point, Aaron Rodgers has created a situation where they have no choice but to act because this will he, won't he, where am I going to go nonsense sounds familiar and it should sound familiar for Green Bay fans because you already lived this you lived it once with Brett Favre yeah but it was a little it was a little different right because Brett Brett's whole thing was is I don't know if I want listen you know you know how I feel about Brett Favre oh we know but for Brett Favre it was more of like I don't know if I want to retire or if I want to keep playing for the Packers and keep playing football it wasn't like he was deciding, oh, I don't know if I want to play in Green Bay or if I want to play somewhere else, right? And the Packers already knew what they had in Rodgers. It's like, no, Brett, you should retire. They were kind of pushing him to retire until he finally did. And then a couple weeks later decided, you know what? I still want to play and I want to go back and beat the Green Bay Packers, right? Like, that's kind of, that was a little different. In this situation, this guy's trying to figure out, Mm, do I want to play for the Packers again, or do I want to go to the AFC? In this instance, the Packers are fully on board with that because once Brett Favre decided he wanted to come back, it was Minnesota or Buck, and you're not going to trade to an in-division rival. Right, and so that's, that's how he ended up with the Jets. And sending dick pics for the Jets, yes. So, in this instance seem to realize, and at least Aaron Rodgers seems to be doing them a solid in that regard. That oh, gonna... <laughs> oh, how could you say something like that? He's doing them a solid? He should do them a solid and get the hell out of town. Like, dude, go away. We can't win with you. We can't. Five years, we can't win with you. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, you keep naming players. We got, we got studs. We get the AFC Championship game. We only lose three games all season. You win the MVP award, but we can't beat Tom Brady at home. We can't beat Jimmy G at home. Come on, man. No. No, do them a favor and leave. They drafted your they drafted your successor. Leave. What happened? I thought you hated them. I thought you were mad at them. You didn't come to camp. What what what's what are you holding their toes to the fire for? Go play for Tennessee. You think you're gonna win there? Go play for Denver. And play Patrick Mahomes every year. Go play for the, the Steelers and and play for that rebuild that's going on over there. Like you like you could have it better somewhere else. I mean, come on, don't even go that route. See? 
to me, it's Tennessee or bust, right? Uh, I don't want to be. I don't want any part of Denver. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's. I mean, are you gonna get along with Mike Rabel? Mike Rabel's a dickhead. You gonna get along with that guy? Like you've been in a situation where you've been able to bully around Matt Lafleur and call your shots. Mike Rabel will punch you in the face. Like Mike Rabel's not messing around. He, he and it's his team. Like. You, you can't just go – the only thing that's good about Tennessee is you're going to crush everybody else in that division, but you're crushing everybody in your own division now. So how is it any different? Well, you think I would the, argue, though, I would argue that Tennessee is more talented than Green Bay because you have Julio, you have Derrick Henry, you're going to get Devontae Adams, you're going to have A.J. Brown as your three, if you as your number three receiver. If you add Aaron Rodgers, that is like number one in – the conference territory. Now, once you get to the playoffs, it's a different animal, and I completely agree with you in that regard. My thing is this. They get Aaron Rodgers, Mike Vrabel is immediately on the hot seat, and you already know that I said that he is somebody who could be on the hot seat already because of their lack of playoff success. Now you got a real quarterback. Now you got some real expectations if you get Aaron Rodgers. This is the this is the guy who's supposed to take you to the promised land. This is the guy who's supposed to get you in the Super Bowl against Matthew Stafford and the Rams. This is the guy who's supposed to make that happen. Now, if he doesn't, who are they going to blame? They're going to blame Aaron Rodgers? No, they're most likely going to toss Rabel out on his ass, and they'll bring in somebody else. So that seems to be the the case of what's going on here. In terms of expectations and talent and trying to get somewhere, like to me, Tennessee's the way to go. Pittsburgh, if I'm Pittsburgh, I don't even return Green Bay's phone call. I just got, I just, I just rid myself of an older quarterback. Rid myself of that. I'm gonna suck for a couple of years. I'm gonna, or I'm gonna get Kenny Pickett from from Pitt. Yeah. I'm gonna try and find a way to get him. And we'll yeah. talk about the combine in a second. But I'm going to find a way to get younger. I'm going to find a way to get cheaper. And I'm going to find a way to get better. And Denver, I don't know what the fuck's going on with John Elway. He's been trying to find a quarterback since himself. So, like, vaya con Dios. And, you know, good luck with that, John. Good luck with that. More sobering news. We would be remiss if we didn't discuss about the Russia and Ukraine controversy with the invasion of Russia from uh, their border into Ukraine. And there are aerial bombardments, and they are, you know, there's definitely an escalation over there in terms of what is going on. And there has been a response in the world of sport. FIFA has suspended Russia from the World Cup and all soccer competitions associated with FIFA. And the IIHF has not only suspended Russia, but also Belarus. So Belarus and Russia cannot compete in IIHF categories in any age. Russia can't host the IIHF World Juniors. And there are multiple other scenarios like the IIHF Continental Cup that might be impacted Belarus's you know, team in the, in the KHL, I believe. That's also going to be impacted. So, you know, politics and sports are interacting right now and it is you know it's definitely very murky 
So what can we expect moving forward? Well, you know, first and foremost, like our heart goes out to everyone affected by the Russian invasion of Ukraine on both sides, honestly. Uh, you know, this was necessary, right? For the health and safety of the Russian and Ukrainian players. Um, you know, the NHL released a statement earlier in the week and it was kind of on the safe side where they're kind of, you know, they're, they're pulling out their digital media, their social media, their language things and you know, they're not considering Russia for any, you know, future competition, but man, I'd really like to see something else come out from the NHL. I mean, some of their best players are of Ukrainian and uh, Russian descent. I mean, Alex Ovechkin is a big Putin supporter, uh, and he's been kind of non-committal on things as well. Uh, you know, I... Uh, it's getting murky, man. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just interesting that all this, all this is kind of taking place after the Olympics, right? They made sure the Olympics got completed, and then all of a sudden they invaded over there. It was almost like it was like a, this was this was part of the plan all along. Um, you know, he he's kind of Ovechkin's kind of equated Putin to good as his president and. He won't speak negatively about either side if he's looking for peace. But, I mean, you just have the potential for something bad to happen uh, to a Russian player or Ukrainian player if you don't really address people's feelings and what's going on. Definitely. And this is something that needs to be done, like you said. Uh, The NHL cannot stand with Russia, you know, even though a majority, you know, a, a large quantity, a large amount of, of its workforce is Russian descent. Now, Russian players need to be careful, too, because they need to be able to go home. Their yeah. fa- many of their families are still there. Many of their parents are still there. So you have to tread lightly if you ever want to see your family again. So it's one of those things that, you know, I understand why... Alex Ovechkin would want to be as vague as possible, but yeah. at the same time, we see it unfolding in front of our eyes. You know, we're watching this happen in real time. We are living history, and teams, organizations, and individual players need to come down hard. They definitely need to, you know, side on the side of right here. And right is right, regardless of whether you're a Russian, whether you're Ukrainian, whether you're a Belarusian, whether you're a Pole, whether you're a Finn. It doesn't matter. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And I think that the IHS did a smart thing, making sure that this is, you know, we are wiping our hands clean of this because we don't agree and we are not going to be a part of it. FIFA, FIFA, you know, FIFA was one of the most corrupt yeah. Corrupt bodies, and they're like, dude, we, we're not touching this. Yeah. FIFA doesn't have your back. That tells you something. FIFA yeah. gave the World Cup to Qatar. <laughs> you know, that's all you need to know. Like, FIFA will follow the money. So I find that very telling that FIFA is willing to do that. And even the owner of Chelsea. The owner of Chelsea put his team on the market because he sees what's going on here, and this is get this is turning into a morass for lots of people involved. Now, granted, he is he is one of Putin's closest friends, 
So it's one of those things too that he's trying to distance himself as much as possible in order to keep his money. So he does have a selfish interest. But this is going to get a lot murkier before there's any resolve. And honestly, there needs to be a resolve to the issue before there can be a resolve to the sport issue. And like Alex Ovechkin, we don't want more. Like we, you know, we side with people of Ukraine, we side with the people of Russia who did not want to fight. Like they're being, they're sent over there, they're following orders, they don't get to choose. They don't get to choose. So, um, we just hope for a peaceful resolution and that no, no more innocent blood needs to be shed. And hopefully that something can happen to where, you know, cooler heads prevail and at the end of the day it gets resolved do you love brownies of course you love brownies but you know what's better than a brownie a delicious handcrafted gourmet brownie delivered right to your doorstep that's what our guys at sweet life brownie co offer chef tommy d and the crew offer a dozen delicious delights that you will crave from the classic OB to Dutch Apple to Campfire S'mores and many more. Check out their website, sweetlifebrownieco.com for their Friday brownie drops. At noon, their site goes live and you see what they're making. Since you're there, become a site member and earn points. You earn 50 points just by signing up. Make sure you follow them on Instagram and Facebook too at sweetlifebrownie underscore co for the latest updates and their latest releases and creations. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com. Give them a call, 845-641-3043, and tell them D&Z sent you. That's SweetLifeBrownieCo.com, 845-641-3043. Sweet Life Brownie Co., because there's always room for a brownie. Speaking of a resolution, Major League Baseball and the Players Union are still in the midst of a very nasty labor discussion and lo and behold Major League Baseball has postponed the first two series of the season a total in 91 games have already been postponed at what point is the point of no return I mean we're already there right we've hit that point you know whether you're on the side of the players or your side of the owners this all comes down to greed Shame on both sides for not being able to come to a common ground. I think they're losing fans. I mean, basketball fan base stays pretty consistent every year, right? I would say football seems to gain fans every year, even despite everything that happened the last two years. Hockey stays pretty consistent as well. I don't think they lose or gain too much. They're pretty pretty much in, in an even scale. Now, baseball, in the case of baseball, they don't gain any new fans. And this is not going to help anything. I mean, listen, I live in the Bronx. And Little League enrollment has been down the last eight years. Eight years in the Bronx. Uh, You know, baseball was the number one sport in America prior to the strike. And then in, prior to the strike in 1994. And then football swooped in. 49ers won the Super Bowl. And they never looked. And, and the sport never looked back. Football passed baseball. And basketball seemed to pick up some ground during that time as well. 
you know, so I think we're 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 there, or we're even past it. I mean, one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, the NFL and the USFL and the XFL are missing out on a solid opportunity here to pick up new fan to pick up new fans because you could be holding practices, flag football tournaments, or scrimmages in the towns that would be holding spring training right now. And they would love it because they need the business. Like baseball not going on is affecting more than just baseball. It's affecting all those who work in the sport. And and the thing, when they do come back, if they do come back, they're going to really need to figure out how to engage that fan, how to engage that young fan. And maybe it's a sense of, okay, you know, if you're in the stands and you got your smartphone, you can vote on if you like the, 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 the moves the manager is making or not. And they can post a poll. Like, you've got to make it more interactive. You've got to get people involved. And you've got to be able to explain the game a little bit more, like, what's a sack fly? Um, what's a sacrifice and why that would work out in those situations so that a young fan could pick up their smartphone and look and be like, oh, okay, I get it. Or, you know, something to something to capture young minds because this this is so detrimental to the future of the sport. Agreed. And unfortunately, there doesn't seem to be a resolution in sight because we're quibbling over a 14-team playoff or 12-team playoff the concept of a ghost win. Can we stop with the ghost? Can we ghost the ghosting in baseball? No ghost runner on second base. No ghost playoff wins. Can we just stop with this nonsense? I mean, I've been but talking. I've been talking to a lot of people, you know, in baseball, out of baseball, and and I don't know about you, but I have not found one person. That sides with the players. Most people are siding with the owners. I mean, have you felt that way as well, or? Well, I mean, I think that your common guy who's on social media who just wants baseball doesn't really care. I think they just want baseball, and they they want Manfred and Tony Clark locked in a room or locked in a steel cage whatever they need to do and whoever comes out on top comes out on top I think that players I mean most people will side with over management in most instances but when you have millionaires over billionaires it becomes very it becomes very difficult to say that because at the end of the day you start getting into these things where players are starting to open their mouths a little bit or have diarrhea of the keyboard, like one Mr. Clint Frazier. And he sent out a tweet saying, maybe I should apply for that McDonald's job everybody said I would have. And another player, I forget who it was, said, I've always wanted to be a barista. Now, you are belittling the people who pay their hard-earned money to come see you hit a baseball or try to hit a baseball in Clint Frazier's case most of the time unsuccessful and I think that belittling your fan base and essentially rubbing their nose in the dirt oh we want to increase the minimum salary to $700,000 most people will not earn $700,000 in a decade and you're talking about that for 
one year for a guy who's never played at that level of baseball. And, like, that's just galling. That's galling. And I know most of the pundits are also on the side of the players. Because, let's be real here, management has totally food-barred this. They've had the opportunity to not necessarily act in good faith. I think both sides are acting in bad faith. But they could at least come up with something that is more of an olive branch, more of a compromise. But both sides have people that are just dug in and they're they're fine with killing the game. And if I'm a fan, I can't I'm not okay with that. I, I will go support minor league baseball because they're gonna play. They're gonna play. They're actually going to suit up this year, you know, go to Binghamton, go to the, the Rumble Ponies. I'll go to I'll go to the uh, the Richmond Flying Squirrels. I will go to the Jacksonville Suns. I'll I will go to the Hudson Valley Renegades. Shout out to Rob Adams. I will go there before I spend my money in Major League Baseball this year because it shows that neither side gives a shit about me. Speaking of guys not giving a shit about... (laughs) Derek Jeter's out! Derek Jeter has stepped down as the CEO and a shareholder of the Marlins after seemingly a disagreement over the direction of the franchise. Now, whether... Bruce Sherman wants to spend more money and Jeter was against it, or Jeter wanted to spend more money and Bruce Sherman was against it, I'm not 100% sure on that, but is this a big deal, a little deal, or no deal at all? Uh, I mean, I think think he's a little deal. How about that? I mean, this has to be one of the worst reigns of ownership for any former player. Jeter took a promising young Marlins team traded all of their assets to other teams and despite him the marlins actually managed to compete and make the playoffs during a covid season only to get relegated back to their losing ways last year i mean just because people don't agree with you doesn't mean you just throw in the towel and quit and resign because that's what it sounds like here and excuse me if the rest of the owners didn't agree with your direction because it wasn't showing profit or promise. Uh, so for him to just kind of resign because he wasn't getting his way, I mean, it's a little irritating. It's a little narcissistic. And I'm just tired of Derek Jeter, and I really just don't want to hear about him anymore. I mean, Derek Jeter only had a 4% stake in the franchise, so it's not like he was a it was he was a major minority owner. He yeah, was, but the like whole thing was, right, right, but he took the 4% ownership, and the whole deal was that he was going to run the baseball and the baseball operations. He was going to run the baseball and business operations of the team for with his 4%, and I was hearing that he wanted more percentage. You're like, dude, you're not producing. You don't, you don't get more because your name is Derek Jeter. And from what I understand, he also had one more year left in his contract, and he's resigning a year early. Like, stop being a little bitch. Like, 
do your job. Like, what do you think? You think you think this is all sunshine and rainbows all the time? You think just because he said, oh, because we didn't we didn't see eye to eye on the direction of the team. Well, how about you work for a living and show them what the direction of the team should be? Make a case, put together a PowerPoint presentation or something. Like, how do you just give in? It's just, it's just irritating because the Marlins had talent, right? I mean, you're talking can about... Can we go down the list of all the players? Christian Yelich? Uh... Uh, who's the catcher that went off to, uh, to Washington? Yeah. Like, oh, and then, uh, oh, then John Carlos Stanton. Like, come on, man. Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna's another guy. And granted, oh, uh, D Gordon. Like, D, D Gordon, Gordon. Before he went downhill. Yeah. D Gordon was a good player. And now Jose it's. Fernandez. Jose Fernandez. Yeah, that was an unfortunate event. But. It be the line of demarcation, really. But dude, if I'm if my if my research shows me right, they've had the worst winning percentage in the National League since he took control of the team, or since he had a stake in the team. So they bought the team in 2017. They finished in second place that year. Still under 500. They were 77 and 85. With all the talent, right? Place. With all the talent. That was right. with all the talent. With everybody in the fold 77 85 second place then you're looking at 70 then you're looking at 63 98 57 and 105 we're lauding this you know the covid year 31 and 29 okay 31 and 29 so that was good enough for second place in the national league east and then 67 and 95 last year so attendance is down they're barely making they made attendance was less than 650,000 last year you know you're looking at 1.5 million in 2017 then under a million under 900,000 2018 and 2019 so people teams and fans are actively not going and then obviously COVID happened so nobody's in the stands and then the rebound was less than 650,000 people for a year like that's that's not good that you know that is you know for a franchise people don't want to come to see you and it's not like we have a rinky dink ballpark like Tampa Bay no you have a you have a newer ballpark granted it's not the most visually attractive ballpark in the in the, the world but whatever like you have something new. You you brought in. You were supposed to bring in this energy and Project Wolverine and all this shit, and it got run into the ground. And, and he met with all the season ticket holders and was talking about all his all his plans for the team and talking everybody off the ledge after he sold all their talent that they worked for so many years to develop. Like he, I mean, look at Michael Jordan. I mean, everyone likes to make fun of Michael Jordan because the Hornets suck and. And he surrounds himself with yes men, but Michael never quit. And Michael still, Michael has a pretty decent team now with a lot of young stars, a lot of young talent. And he knows a lot more today than he did X amount of years ago when he when he took ownership of the team. So uh, I just don't want to hear about him anymore. 
I don't want to hear about Derek Jeter. I don't want to hear how great of a player he was because he wasn't really that great. I don't want to hear about how good of a businessman he is because he's not a good businessman at all. So just go somewhere in Florida, live your life with your wife and your daughter, and just go away. Just go away. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Ultimately, this has been this has been a cluster since Jeter and Sherman took over. Because you had Michael Hill in place, and then Michael Hill is gone. Kim Ang is in. Caroline O'Connor, they're going to run the day-to-day operations. But it, it makes you wonder, like, it makes you wonder if this was, you know, if everybody was so quick to try and get Jeffrey Lurie out, right? They were just, you know, after the whole debacle of the stadium, and then the name change, and then Ozzie Guillen... And just the nonsense that, you know, buying two World Series and then trading everybody off. This is this franchise has a rather checkered history already. This was supposed to be the breath of fresh air. Now, Jeter definitely, you know, he was the point man for this. Who's to say? I mean, we're not in on the meetings. We can only, you know, we can only speak to the body of the work. Who's to say, you know? But um, once you've got, once you were from Jeffrey Loria, everybody figured, oh, there's only nowhere, no place to go but up. The Marlins, clearly, that was not the case. Avoid messy accidents. Get better stopping power with your brake pads. Callahan brake pads. You never know when you'll be driving in the road and there will be a truck tire that you need to avoid and save your family. Callahan Auto, we really care about what's under your hood. Speaking of accumulating talent, the NFL Combine is underway in Indianapolis and you have the best collegiate talent going to a meat market where they're measuring hand size, vertical leap, and you got a bunch of guys running around half naked without any pads on, not being chased by players. Is the NFL Combine even relevant? I mean, it's just not, right? I mean, if you're basing your draft on what a player does under perfect conditions in a dome in Indianapolis at the Combine, then your franchise is in trouble. Most of the talented players do not throw, run, or perform anything of importance at the combine. They do all that at their pro day, right? I mean, you do it under your circumstances, your drills, your conditioning, some on a field that you know and you've practiced on a thousand times. That's where you're going to really display your top-level talent. I think the combine would be more relevant to veterans who are coming off injury, who were cut or who were unable to make a team last year. I also think you can make it kind of a, I don't know, you can make it some kind of a spectacle by inviting amateurs to see if there's any fringe players or people who did not get a real chance to make noise in college prove that they can be an asset on special teams or, you know, a valuable part of a, of a team. Uh, but the, as it is right now, it's just, it's useless. I mean, I was watching a guy do a high jump today, and he almost fell and broke his ankle. It just seems stupid. At the end of the day, like, they're lauding Jordan Lyman, Jordan Davis, right? 341 pounds, 
He ran a four seven eight forty, right? Who cares? He doesn't have to run forty yards. He's just got to run to the backfield. That's the quarterback. Maybe twenty feet. Not only that, but he doesn't. He doesn't have any gear on. It's not raining. It's not snowing. He's not running off after Russell Wilson. Right. It just. He's it's not. Just, he's not fighting through a block. He's not. He's not fighting through maybe. If this isn't week eight or week nine where he's got a bad ankle or a bad thigh and it's it's not so easy to get off as he was. So, I mean, you just, I don't know. I don't really think you're getting much out of it. If you're on the fence on someone, you probably shouldn't draft him anyway. I mean, I was listening to NFL Live today. They were talking about, man, all the signs point to drafting, you know, one guy. Uh, but, uh you know, you kind of have to drop draft this guy just because the level of talent he went up against. Well, gee, this just doesn't seem like we need to be here then. No, <laughs> like, absolutely what, not. Like, the thing that's going to prove to you what a guy can and can't do is what you see on film, what you see on tape, and in live game action. But even in that situation, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know until the guy gets there, plays in your system, meets up with your players, it, it, it football's football's not like baseball where you know what a guy if a guy can hit a 95 mile per hour fastball the guy can hit a 95 mile per hour fastball that's it i mean he's gonna do it on sunday saturday next week next tuesday six months from now because right. that's that's what he could do now no whether system. right now whether uh i don't know whether a, a quarterback could handle a blitz from the chicago bears in negative eight degrees in december i'm not gonna find that out until december i'm not gonna find that out in indianapolis on the combine i mean look at brady brady's combine was awful he got some of the worst grades from coaches mel kuyper and everybody dude won seven super bowls I mean, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry had a notoriously bad one. He was hurt. He ran hurt because he wanted to prove something. I would say, I would take Jarvis Landry's career. Okay, there was a, uh, an overlay on Instagram. You had four guys running the fort. You had Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, Russell Wilson, and Patrick Mahomes. In that order, that's how they finished. Desmond Ritter was fastest of the bunch, right? Mariota was second, Russ was third, Patrick Mahomes was fourth. Whose career would you rather have? Right. Dead fucking last in that 40-yard race. Right. Patrick Mahomes right now than any of the other three. Meanwhile, matter. And meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes actually runs pretty well for a quarterback in the NFL. He always cute. He's very elusive. He knows how to get out of bounds, and he, he does get yardage not an indictment this isn't an indictment of football skill it's about physical skill and like we've been we've seen many workout warriors improve their draft stock and fleece teams into taking them one guy comes to mind vlad dukas if you remember vlad dukas with the jets dude was garbage garbage as a football player but he worked out great vernon golston golston I'm not buying, I hate to be picking on the Jets, but they're apparently, it's easy, you know, it's easy, it's easy. <laughs> but they're the ones that kind of register the most. Like, the biggest story this week has been Kenny Pickett's hand signs. Kenny Pickett has the smallest hands of anybody in the NFL. Who gives a rat's ass? Can he throw the ball or not? Alex Smith had small hands. 
Alex Smith had a pretty good career. Like, watch the game. The games are what matter, not the meat market. The meat market is only going to tell you, you know, they're only, only going to produce stupid crap. Like, the, when the scout for the Cowboys asked, what was that, Des Bryant, if his mom was a prostitute? Like, that was just... That, that was bad. That was horrible. You know, are you kidding me with that? The Wonderlick test. Ah, the Wonderlick test. That's, you know, not... But Ryan Fitzpatrick got a perfect score on a Wonderlick test. Is that, an, is that an indication that he's a great quarterback? Fitzy's been good, but I wouldn't say he would, that's an, I wouldn't say that's an indicator of his success at the NFL level. I think that's more of an, more of like, it's more due to his skill and his ability more so than the score on some bullshit test. And speaking of bullshit, Saquon Barkley. The Giants are willing to listen to offers on the former number two pick, you know, Mr. Gold Jacket material, according to Dave Gettleman, Mr. Touched by the Hand of God. Well, like the Giants are willing to move on, if not ready to move on. So what can they realistically get for him? I mean, this will be his second second season after injury. So if history tells us anything, is that this is the year to have Saquon Barkley. This is the best. This is the best you're gonna get with this guy, right? Yeah. I think the teams like the Dolphins, the Bucks, the Jets, and the Cardinals all have something to gain by reaching out to the Giants to inquire about Saquon Barkley. Um, if I'm the Giants, I'm trying to get a first, a third. But if I'm a buyer, I'm offering a third and a sixth and maybe a player. I mean, but if anything, the Giants have to dump him, though. There's, they cannot extend him. There's no point to keep him. We, we see what he is and let somebody else maybe cash in on his upside. This is a make or break year for him. You know, for a career, he's only played 44 games. Less than 3,000 yards rushing. Averaging 4.5 yards per carry, 19 total touchdowns. Now, a lot of that has to do with the fact he's been playing behind the worst offensive line in football by Dave Gettleman's design. Mr. Touched by the Hand of God. Apparently, you know, everything Dave Gettleman touched turned to shit because he was looking for those hog mollies. Hogs like to root around in mud and shit. So, that goes without saying. As far as what you can realistically get for him, I mean, I would love if you could flip him for a number one, but I just don't think that's possible. You know, if I'm a buyer, all my stuff is conditional. Everything that, everything I offer is going to be conditional. Like, it's a fourth conditional to be a third, or a third conditional to be this, to be a second, if Saquon meets certain health requirements and certain snap counts and certain, you know, percentages of plays and percentages of games. At this point, you know, he went from 16 to 13 to 2 to 13. Like, he's kind of hovering around, you know, being a part-time player. So you kind of need to take that into account if you're, you know, going to bring him in. And the Giants are strapped. They cut Devontae Booker already. 
They cut Kyle Rudolph already. They need cap relief. So they can't even sign this guy to a big contract if they want to. So they got to get out from under him, and they got to get out from under him soon. Like the Ravens, if I'm the Ravens, I'm looking at him. Like The Rams seem to be star hunting, so maybe the Rams want to give a call. Like if I want to flip, you know... If you want to flip a Sony Michelle for a Saquon Barkley, like I don't know if you want to do a change of scenery for a change of scenery. Like I don't know if you'd be willing to do that. But I mean, there's plenty of teams out there. Like you mentioned, the Cardinals—they just lost Chase Edmonds in free agency. They're going to lose Chase Edmonds in free agency. Call the Giants. It's definitely worth looking into. But if I'm the Gi- if I'm the Giants, I can't go into the season with him as my running back. Unless- no. Yeah. I, unless I hold tight, unless I hold tight and try and work something at the deadline in hopes that he can build up that value to where it goes from a conditional third to a legit third, or even a second if he balls out. But I can't. It's one of those things that he he can't stay. Like he just, we, you can't have him. You can't have him on this team moving forward because you not only need to pay him, you got to pay Jones next, and I'm not sold on him either. So it's. It's a really bad situation for the Giants, and it's only been made worse with the contract situation. Yeah, I mean, they're in a situation where they're not going to win anything. I mean, they're in a division where they can compete, right? They can definitely compete for for the top spot in the division, but realistically, they're not going to be winning anything. So what are you trying to do? You're trying to get as many assets as possible. And you should just listen to what you should just listen to what teams are offering you, and take the best deal that comes around. And I mean, like I said, if I'm a team and I'm like, like I said, if I'm the Cardinals or I'm, I'm like, uh, I don't know, uh, like the Dolphins, but Bucks need a running back, and you're like, yeah, I mean, we like him, and he's hurt a lot, so you know. We'll Throw you a third round and a sixth round. How's that sound? And 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 start it there. Engage their interest and see and see if that's able to, you know, get the ball rolling. But you're definitely not investing in this guy. This is a flyer, and you're just gonna see how it works out. Speaking of taking a flyer on somebody, Bruce Arians has publicly bla- publicly backed Blaine Gabbert as a starting NFL quarterback option in Tampa Bay in light of the Brady, the Tom Brady retirement. You have Gabbert. You have Kyle Trask. He's got to be blowing smoke up our asses, right? Bruce Arians can't be serious. I mean, the first time I heard this, I thought about Die Hard in that scene when Ellis goes and speaks to Hans Gruber and he's like, hey, I'm not a method actor. This is radio, not television. Put the gun away. It's like <laughs> the same thing. Bruce Arians, man, I'm not, I'm, I'm watching you. Like, I'm not stupid here. Like, of course you got to be fooling us, right? Blink Garrett's been in that system for five years. And for five years, he's been the backup. I mean, you can't just come in now and start and start throwing darts around the schoolyard and and think that we're gonna be fooled and and you're gonna lead, somehow lead tennis uh, Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl. Uh, they drafted the kid Trask. I think they should give him a shot. I mean, we know what Blaine Gabbert is, and. That division, the division's trash. I would argue that Atlanta's probably like the best team in that division now, right? Because they got Matt Ryan, 
We don't know what's going to happen with Ridley. Um, they have the good tight end they drafted. Um, they've, they've, they've got some decent players. Carolina's trash. They don't have a quarterback. McCaffrey's always hurt. Saints, uh, Tennis Allen's going to be their head coach. And they, they also have a quarterback issue. So you have a chance. I mean, it's arguably probably one of the worst divisions in football now. But you, you, you have a chance to compete. Maybe not win the whole thing, but definitely compete. But um, if, if you're Tampa... Of course, you're you like the idea of Tom Brady possibly coming back. That's not going to happen. But you get on the phone, get a Mitch Trubisky, get a Jimmy G. Uh, I don't think you're going to be able to get Aaron to come there because he wants to go to the AFC. But maybe a Russell Wilson. It is, it is Florida. Um, it's a heavy passing. It's a heavy passing scheme. Um, you know, and they they needed Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. And then last year, even Tom Brady couldn't help them, and he had a good year. Um, they're loaded with talent, but there are some contracts that are expiring. So you, you might lose Godwin, you might lose Gronk, Marpet retired. I think two of their offensive linemen might not be coming back. They're so, Jenner, Jensen. That's going to be a huge loss to them. Yeah, so uh, who uh, have uh, here? Kappa, Kappa and Marpet. Uh, might not be coming back. Jensen, I maybe he's the guy that retired. But regardless, uh, he's not fooling me. Uh, I, I'm not buying the Blaine Gabbert thing, and I, it doesn't scare me either. Here's a quote from Bruce Arians. People may not like the overall record, but Blaine had eight head coaches and eight coordinators in his first eight years. He beat Jacksonville their best year and beat Tennessee. Uh, what? That doesn't even make any sense. That is even that quote doesn't even make any sense. He beat Jacksonville their best year and beat Tennessee their big year for us in Arizona, and he's been in the system now. So he's also not logically not there, and also with the words he's not there because that just doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense. Blaine <laughs> Gabbert's like a bad Ryan Tannehill, right? <laughs> That's what he is, right? He's a uh, bad he's a bad Ryan Tannehill. Well, here's the thing, right? They decided. <laughs> upgrade from the Jacksonville Jaguars decided to, decided to upgrade from Blaine Gabbert with Blake Bortles. That's all you need to know about <laughs> Blaine Gabbert. 15 and 35 career, right? 5 and 22 with the Jags, 4 and 9 with the Niners, 2 and 3 with the Cardinals, and 2 and 1 with the Titans. You are what you are, man. If you were gonna, if he was gonna be a starting quarterback, he would have been a starting quarterback by right. now. Exactly. Instead, he's holding Brady's clipboard and asking him how he wants his avocado ice cream. Right. Like, that's just how it is. And you know what? It's okay. Let's let's be like let's go back to what I was saying before. Bubba Crosby was once in an interview, according to Brian Cashman, the starting center fielder for the New York Yankees until Johnny Damon became available. Then all of a sudden, it was Bubba who? <laughs> the same way, Lane Gabbert is the starting quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers until, wait, we can get Tua? We can trade for Tua? Oh, we can get Deshaun Watson? Oh, we can get, Mitch, we can sign Mitch Trubisky? He's a free agent. We can trade for Aaron Rodgers. We can get Russell Wilson. But Blaine Gabbert, you, the NFL, you're only as loyal as your option. Right? And if this is your option, start Kyle Trask. Just start Kyle Trask, Bruce. It's not that hard. Right. And you, you drafted the guy. 
Like, you drafted the guy. Let him play and see what happens. I, I just I don't understand these teams that draft these quarterbacks and then they don't play him or they don't put him in. Play the guy. You drafted him. Play him. Totally. Absolutely. It doesn't do you any good to, to let this go longer. And speaking of not doing any good, <laughs> seven top ten NCAA men's teams lost last week. Does anybody want to be number one? Like, wh- which one was your biggest surprise and why? Uh, I'm, Auburn was pretty surprising to me. I, I think I think teams I think teams had a tough time evaluating talent during COVID. So we're seeing a narrow gap in the talent among the top 25 teams. I know you think Duke can win it all, but I think Auburn, Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova have enough talent to compete for a national title. I also like LSU. They had a big win today against Alabama. So, you know, talent prevails. There's just not a lot of consistency this year. And I think it's really just based off of, you know, what happened, you know, over the last two years. Well, definitely. I mean, COVID definitely plays a role in this. But Gonzaga loses, Arizona loses, Auburn loses, Purdue loses, Kansas loses, Kentucky loses. At some point, like somebody's got to take this thing, right? Somebody has to, somebody has to bubble up. And you know, I we were talking about Duke, right? You just you name check Duke. Duke lost today. Duke lost to North Carolina in Coach K's final home game. Thirteen so, points too, I think. Yeah. Big loss. So it's you know, I don't know if anybody, you know, the cream rises to the top, but. Who's to say that these players have been evaluated properly? And Gonzaga has to win, right? Chet Holmgren, you got, they've been, Gonzaga's been the team for a while. Like, they kind of, they they kind of have to, at some point, shit or get off the pot, you know? And And it's it's tough. It's tough because of the conference they play in. Um, We saw them get overmatched by Baylor last year. It was almost embarrassing. God, I felt bad for them. I mean, per- Purdue lost last week, but, I mean, they lost to number 10 Wisconsin. I mean, can we really get mad at Purdue for that? And they lost to a Michigan State team in Michigan State. I mean, that's not – those are tough games to win. Big Ten is – you know, we think about Big Ten, you think about football, but they have some decent basketball teams as well. I don't know about – I don't know about Gonzaga. I mean, the problem with – the problem with them is, is, like, they don't play anybody, and then they just start playing teams. And you draw Kentucky or you draw Wisconsin or a Purdue team that's hot, you could be out. I don't see Mark Fuhrer getting these guys back to the championship. I like I like what you were talking about with us in the production meeting about your thoughts on Duke kind of rolling it because I think they do they do have the talent to do so. Um, especially depending on what bracket you know they're they're in. Uh, Rick Pitino got his 800th win a couple of weeks ago. Shout out to Rick and the Iona Gales because we know he's a listener. <laughs> um, What's up, Coach? He's a guy that's been you know Maryland might be interested in him. I mean that would be so amazing if he went and got the Maryland job. 
but I think, uh, you know, anything can happen in the tournament, especially we'll see what happens with the conference tournaments coming up. Uh, but I don't think it's a case of nobody wants it. It's that the stage is pretty big right now, and that the, the uh, talent is, uh, is widespread. Totally. And I think that what, to go back to our production meeting, I really think that this is prime for Duke to take it, right? Coach K is in his last yeah. year. John Shire is going to take over the program. And, you know, it, we would be remiss if we did not reflect on the career of Mike Krzyzewski, right? You're looking at 1,196 career wins, 365 career losses. Guy's got a career 766 winning percentage between Army and Duke. So he's not taking, he made Duke into a powerhouse. Duke was not a powerhouse when Mike Krzyzewski took over. Like, he, he won at Army. Who wins at Army? Like, he was a Bob Knight disciple, and he was able to, you know, not only build a culture, but he was also a teacher. I read Coach K's book, and at, at heart, he considers himself a teacher. And as a teacher, I respect that. So, you know, he hasn't been able to kind of, he hasn't been able to sustain it recently in the one and dones because, you know, you get your Zion Williamson, you get, you know, you get your, your players and then they're gone. So it becomes very difficult to build that program. If you look tonight, 96 former players showed up. 96 of his former players. Jay Williams was there. Shane Battier was there. The, the level of recruitment and the level of talent, Grant Hill was there. Like talent that he was able to bring into Duke, and he was able to get them to stay. That that speaks to me. That really speaks to me in terms of what Duke is able to do and what Duke is about. And if he believes in John Shire, then like, you got to think that they're still going to be in good good hands once John Shire takes over. See, that's the job I think Rick really wants. I think that's what Rick is going to hold out for is to see what happens with Duke and Carolina because that would be that would be such a substantial job, and he he's definitely the coach for it. That's interesting. You know, I don't I don't really. I mean, he went to Kentucky, but I don't know if he wants to fill those shoes. You know, I don't know if he necessarily wants to be the guy to replace a legend. You know? Well, he wouldn't. Know he wouldn't have to because Shire is going to do that. No offense to him, I think it's a very big undertaking for him for that guy. And uh, North Carolina is still looking for their post Roy Williams guy. You know? Yeah, it's possible. But you know, I can also see him going to Georgetown, like Patrick Ewing. Like, oh they, yeah, hundred percent. Big in, East. They back oh, him yeah. in public. Seems like a big fish move on uh, for uh, Rick Pitino, but. We'll see where that goes. But overall, I mean, Coach K's had a hell of a run, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if that team was able to rise to the occasion and win it all for Coach K. Are you in need of air care maintenance or service? I have the company for you. Air Care Technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. 
These guys are the real deal as they are veteran owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. It's the hot route. Hot takes on burning questions. All right, boys and girls, this is a brand new segment. It's called the hot route. Hot takes for burning subjects. And today's subject on the hot route, what makes a season or record asterisk worthy? What do you think, Dean? Yeah, so for me, I mean, it starts with doubt. Um, if you had an edge over your competition, an illegal edge over your competition, then your record or accomplishment gets an asterisk. Um, the biggest thing I can look at is in baseball, right? I mean, for me, Pete Rose broke the rules and bet on baseball. That's not asterisk worthy. That is, you're banned from baseball. Barry Bonds took PEDs during his career, but he set the home run record. So you get an asterisk because you were taking PEDs. You had an edge over your competition. The Black Sox, you know, they threw the series and the out and affected the outcome of the World Series. You don't get it. You get banned. You don't get an asterisk. And then Mark McGuire, he set the single season home run record with 70 home runs. You found out you were taking performance enhancing drugs you my friend get an asterisk so that's how i think asterisks should work i think it's more along the lines of you know if, if we have a reason to doubt uh, what took place or if you were you know cheating or illegally gaining an advantage over your competition then you deserve an asterisk so would you by that rationale before i before i uh put my criteria out there would you consider Spygate, would you consider that asterisk worthy? I wouldn't because I don't know how much that really gave them an advantage over the competition. And if you wanted to erase everything before Spygate, they still had Hall of Fame and record breaking performances after it. So, you know, you can you can know what plays are coming. That doesn't mean you can stop it. It doesn't mean you're you're going to be able to effectively uh, do anything about it. That's true, and in the same regard, it's kind of like the shot heard around the world, right? Where you have the 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 Giants ha- had somebody in the office with the telescope, and they were like raising the raising and lowering the blinds, or opening and lowering the blinds, and that's how the, the that's how the hitters knew what was coming. Bobby Thompson still had to hit that pitch. Yeah, it's it's not so it's not so cut and dry, and even with Bonds, it's like yeah he. He took the performance-enhancing drugs, and I'm sure he was able to recover and hit the ball, and you know, better than anybody else. But it's it's the records that that I have a problem with now. It's because now you've you've affected you've affected the outcome of so many games and so many things that that's why you're getting an asterisk for it. You know, uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And to me, there has to be some level of scandal involved, right? right. Whether it's the Black Sox. To a degree, I would say Spygate because you did have an unfair advantage. Now, whether or not you can still do something with that is something it, that's a different argument. But you still had an advantage over the other team, and that you knew what was coming to a degree because you had their signals. That's um, fair. Something like, I mean, I've heard, 
you know, the Lakers bubble championship called into question, the Lightning's cup because of COVID called into question, no fans, restricted travel, yada, yada. The Dodgers, anything had to do with COVID, essentially. Like, there's debate about whether there should be an asterisk. And I don't necessarily agree that's the case. And not just because NYCFC won under COVID, like, protocols, but on your schedule, you play the number of games that you play. That, to me, that does, that's not asterisk worthy. That is definitely not asterisk worthy. What's asterisk worthy to me is, you know, playing a strike short season. Okay. Like, that's something that if there's labor, labor dispute, your team, you know, you only play, like, 11 games. Like, do we really know how good the team is? Like, I don't necessarily know. Like, that, if there's labor strife, that's definitely something there. Scandal, absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the Black Sox. I agree with you wholeheartedly on Pete Rhodes. I agree with you on Barry Bonds. Like, I won't go as far as to say every team in the steroid era needs to have an asterisk because that would be highly extreme. But at the same time, the whole the whole time period was affected by that. But that's the job of the Hall of Fame to tell the story. I don't necessarily agree that, I mean, I don't think they're going to put an asterisk over that. Something egregious it deserves an asterisk, but not to the point where you're, you know, you're putting one next to, because you're not going to put one next to every team, because you can argue, you can nitpick arguments for like for everything. But to me, there has to be an element of scandal, and there has to be, there, there has to be something that was outside of the norm in terms of, in terms of the game per se like lowering the mound raising the mound like something like that if there's like fundamental rule changes you know that's definitely grounds for discussion but not for something you know not for something that you're able to play your entire season and they were just under different circumstances if there's if there was something else that impeded you from doing that then I would argue for an asterisk. And another one that comes up to mind just off the top of my head, and I would wonder where you stood on this, is like the 9-11 baseball season, 2001. Would that be something, you know, since there was such turmoil and there was, you know, there was a significant impact on the season from the terrorist attack, would that be something that would be considered asterisk worthy? No, I don't think so. I mean, everybody's playing under the same conditions. In fact, it was great. <laughs> I enjoyed that one because the uh, Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. That was great. Uh, no, I don't think so. Everybody's playing under the same conditions, and everybody had, you know, had to affect them in different ways. I felt it was like an, it was almost an even playing field, that, you know, because it was such a widespread situation and. You know the kickoff to the war on terror, so to speak. Uh, yeah, so I, I wouldn't put an asterisk. Another thing that, uh, granted, not in the pro but in the amateur, something like the the Olympics too, right? Because Russia was sending their pros for a very long time, whereas America, Canada, you're sending amateurs. So that might be something that's asterisk worthy because it's not a level competition, it's not a level playing field. You're sending pros, you're sending 
like grown ass men to go up against our college kids. Now, granted, our college kids in 1980 shocked the world, but far between. There's a reason why it's a Disney movie. Yeah, I mean that was our decision, though, right? I mean, we could have sent other players. We 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 decided that we weren't. We were gonna send college players. I don't think you could really, um, you know, downgrade what other countries accomplished just because we didn't send, you know, our best. The same thing goes with the NBA. We didn't start sending the NBA players uh, for the Olympics until I think what '88 or '92, whatever. Yeah, the dream team was, and that's, that's on us. Uh, I wouldn't put that on anybody else. The Fade Store presents the Alleged Superstar of the Week Award. boys and girls it is time for the alleged superstar of the week you know how it goes put a poll out there you vote vote. and then when you think you're done you vote some more go to our twitter page after the show at fade route dnz you will see our nominee and if you want to put an honorable mention slide in there slide in those dms comment on it let us know what your honorable mention is we had a tie this past week. Do you know who is taking home half of the ass this week? I don't, I don't. So one half of the ass goes to Matthew Stafford of the Los Angeles Rams, and the other half of the ass goes to Jawan Howard of the Michigan Wolverines. So let's see if we can avoid a tie this week and give out a whole ass. Okay. Who are your nominees? Oh, first up, I have Mr. Derek Dita, number two. Tasked with running the business and baseball operations, traded away all of the Marlins' top talent. The team has had the worst winning percentage in the National League since his takeover. He's resigning, citing differences in directions. Uh, maybe the difference in direction, Jeet, is that they, they would like to start winning. Derek Jeter, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Number two, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We see your movies and public address announcement at the Super Bowl, but you are missing a prime chance to acquire new fans, the XFL brand, get some players, coaches, and staff in those Cactus League towns, help support the businesses, and they will never forget it. Dwayne Johnson, you are my alleged superstar of the week. And last but not least, Michael Bidwell. Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kime both get contract extensions through 2027 season with a 24 24 and 1 record. Dude, what are you smoking? They were 1 and 4 in the final five games this year, and they pretty much handed the Rams the NFC title and then helped the Rams kick off their Super Bowl victory. Michael Bidwell, you are my alleged superstar of the week. What about you, Z? All great choices. All great choices to be sure. Let's start with Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin, your invasion of Ukraine has the country, has fucked Ukraine, has fucked FIFA, has fucked the IAHF, 
has fucked the owner of Chelsea. This is a big-time domino effect that started with this particular moment. So, Vladimir Putin, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Pretty sure we're not going to be able to be heard in Russia anymore, but continue. Well, we love <laughs> Russian hockey. Vodka, number one. Clark and Rob Manfred. They're <laughs> recurring. They're recurring. Like, I, I have a couple of repeaters on here, and these dipshits are, are definitely, uh, they're high up there. 91 games. 91. That's how many games have been canceled so far. Because you guys cannot get out of your own way, get into a room, and hash out a deal. Now, I don't know if the reports were true that you got close and then they tried to, you tried to pull a little sneaky on the players. I don't know. I wasn't in the room. Is that spring training is not going on. Plenty of free agents are not signed. And this, ba- this baseball season is going to be fucked. This baseball season is going to be fucked and you guys fucked it. Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, you are my alleged superstars of the week. And last but not least, another repeater, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> as soon as I started with him, as soon as we started with him in the Open, you knew he was going to be here. You're trying to screw the Packers. Just, you're going to wait him out. You're going to turn the screws on him. You're going to get what you want and then somehow play the victim. We know this. I hope Green Bay Packer fans are not naive enough to think that this is in your best interest to lose a great quarterback. It's not. You guys are ready to win that team, and he's trying to get out of Dodge for whatever reason. Aaron Rodgers, you are my alleged superstar of the week. Those are ours. Remember, honorable mentions, you can put in the comments of our poll at Fade Route DNZ, go vote now. And for all our nominees, just do better. Just do better. favorite podcast has its own merch line now go to the fade store with dnz.com today for all your fade route merch needs i'm talking tank tops t-shirts sweatshirts like yoga pants we got those too like some cool accessories we got those too and we're not done yet we have so much more planned for you but check out what we have today at the fade store with dnz.com that's the fade store with dnz.com Order up! Here we go, boys and girls. It's time for us to order up. Order up, order up. This week we are ordering up the top five greatest men's college basketball players. From five to one. Who you got, D? Oh, all right. It took me a while to actually put together. Um... But I'm going to start number five for me is Christian Leitner, uh, selected to the dream team, uh, two-time champion, 
Mr. Clutch, really, and kind of started Kashevsky off on his uh, his championship run with Duke. So my first guy at number five is Christian Leitner. At number four, arguably the one of the it was hard. I mean, I thought about putting this guy at number one, but it's Bill Walton. People forget at how good of a college career he had because he got hurt so much in the pros. But he once went 73 and 0. <laughs> that's that's unbelievable. Uh, he had 44 points in the championship game. I believe that record still stands. And just one of the best college players of all time. Uh, number three, and this is he's on my Mount Rushmore of NBA players as well. It's Magic Johnson. The guy was just able to play all the positions on a basketball court. Uh, gosh, he's so good. They gave him the nickname Magic. I mean, come on. What's better than that? And uh, he went on to win the uh, he won the NCAA championship. And I believe that next year, 1980, he won the NBA title as well. Uh, number two for me, arguably, Bill Russell. Two-time champion, 55 consecutive victories. I mean, they would triple-team this guy. He's just a monster on the court. And number one, probably your number one also, uh, Lou Alcindor, better known as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, three-time NCAA champion, 56 points in his college debut. This guy was just a monster. What do you got, Z? We have a lot of overlap. <laughs> How is that possible? How is that possible? I was going through this and I was looking for particular criteria, right? No one and dones, because that would be friggin' impossible. You had to at least play two years. Even then, it was what you did on the court and what you were, you know, how transcendent of a player were you. And surprisingly enough, neither one of us has Michael Jordan on our list. No, no, because he wasn't that great of a college player. No, he wasn't. And he wasn't that great of a middle school basketball player, too. And that's why he got cut. And that moment, he looked at the chip on his shoulder and created the monster known as MJ. But for me, also Christian Leitner, 16.6 points per game, 7.8 rebounds, two assists, 57% from field goal, from field goal percentage. All four years, played all four years at Duke, had... The legendary play, right, from Hill to Leitner, a play so famous, they made a documentary about it, they made a 30 for 30 on him, the only college player that was on the dream team, Christian Leitner's pretty good, I mean, it's not a prerequisite that you had to be a great pro player to be a great college player, to be on my list, so Christian Leitner, you're up there, congratulations, number four, Bill Walton, we're right there with you. 20.3 20.3 points, 15.7 rebounds. I mean, he was a solid player, right? And then he just got felled by injuries. And injury after injury after injury, he was able to recover that. You know, he was able to have a solid career. But in college, very Monster. few better. Very Monster. few better than Bill Walton. Number three, one Mr. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. points, 15.5 rebounds, essentially invented the skyhook, three-time NCAA All-Tourney, three-time NCAA champion, won the Naismith Award. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a legend. 
his legend started somewhere. Legend started in, in high school and then went and transcended to college. Number two, Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete. He averaged 44.2 points per game in college. He averaged 44.2 points per game. And that is crazy to me, right? He was a three-time consensus player. He was a Naismith Award winner. He was a three-time All-SEC player. And he is the definitive scorer, right? You want to talk about your prototypical scorer. He was running gun before running gun was actually a thing. Like before the seven seconds or less with Mike D'Antoni, Pistol was running that. Like that's exactly what Pistol Pete was running. So he was a prolific scorer, prolific player, and you can't really ignore that. But number one, Bill Russell, the penultimate winner, fantastic player, 20.7 points, 20 rebounds per game, right? 50, almost 52% from the field. And this is not at a big school. This is not at your Dukes, not at your North Carolinas, your Kentuckys. He did it at San Francisco. Yeah, the Don. He was the guy. Two-time NCAA champion, two-time NCAA all-tourney, all-region, all-everything. Mr. Bill Russell is the guy. This has been the Fade Route with DNZ. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. Time for us to run the go route, but we'll talk to you next week. you want to get on the action we want to hear from you hit us up at fade route podcast on ig fade route mail at gmail.com or slide in our dms at twitter at fade route dnz questions comments picks segment suggestions you name it we want to hear from you get at us in crowd Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.